Check, check. There we go. Before I get started, I need a volunteer. Do we have any fifth graders in the house? Fifth graders. Sophia, come on up. I won't embarrass you, I promise. It's a simple, simple task, okay? All I need you to do, you can take this back to your seat. I just need you to color the entire sheet purple. Can you do that? You'll have plenty of time. I'll call you back up when I'm ready, okay? There's no significance to the color purple other than it's Haddon's favorite color, my son. So here you go. I'll call you back up in a couple minutes. Sound good? Every inch of it. Cover it. Thank you, Sophia. Let's give a round of applause. Well, this morning, so Tommy read Psalm 90, 14, and we're going to talk about how to be happy. How to be happy. Raise your hand if you want to be happy. Survey says 100%. I think everybody wants to be happy. Here's the thing, though. In a survey in in this year, 2022, in the United States, 27% of people, that's, that's over a quarter of people, say they can't even remember what it means to be truly happy. 45%, so almost half of of the population that was surveyed said it's been over two years since they've last felt true happiness. 83% of people say that what used to make them happy in the past doesn't make them happy anymore. And so 88% of people, almost 9 to 10, are looking for new experiences to make them smile and laugh and make them happy. So everybody wants to be happy. Not all of us are finding it, though. My great-grandfather, we called him Big Daddy. He, uh, he was 6'4", just a huge guy. He was a preacher in South Georgia. And he printed out these, it was like his business card and also a gospel track. And it's called How to Be Happy. And he would pass these out because he knew it was an attention grabber. Everybody wants to be happy. And we're trying to answer that question, what can make me happy? How can I feel good? How can I, like this psalm says, how can I rejoice and be glad? So we're going we're gonna to look at what the word happy means because whether you grew up in church or outside of church, you may have felt this stigma, possibly, maybe not, but sometimes there was this stigma around Christians that maybe they're not allowed to be happy, maybe they're not supposed to be happy. We're allowed to have joy, but not happiness. Happiness is for the world. That's not really our thing. And I understand what that is trying to say. Our happiness is not rooted on emotions. It's not rooted on our daily circumstances. But I think the problem was we would stuff, we would have our joy so deeply rooted that we never let it rise to the surface. You know what I mean? So through this psalm, we're going to look at what does it look like for Christians to be happy people. What does that look like? How can we accomplish that? So the word happy, I looked it up in some dictionaries and here are a couple of of entries. It's enjoying well-being and contentment. Or it's also feeling and or showing pleasure and contentment. So we're going to look at this psalm and see that happiness isn't necessarily a bad word for Christians. It's something that we actually can and even should experience and ask God for. It's not wrong to ask God to make us happy. 
So I'm going to read this psalm one more time, psalm, this verse one more time, and then we'll dive in. Psalm 90:14. satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. So we're going to answer three questions. First is, why aren't we happy? That survey shows a lot of people are not happy. To understand why, I'm actually going to read this, the rest of this psalm, the first part of it. So pick up with me, Psalm 90, verse 1. We're just going to crawl through and see why, why aren't we happy? What's wrong with us? Why can't we just enjoy life and be glad? So let's read Psalm 90, verse 1. This is actually written by Moses. He says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins are in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or, or even 80 by reason of strength, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So three reasons why we're not happy. One, we're not happy because we know we're going to die and we're going to die pretty soon. That's what this psalm is saying. I mean, I'm just telling it like it is. He says, in comparison to the, how eternal and big God is, our life is so short. And the second reason we're not happy is that short life is full of trouble and toil and sorrow. And then the third reason we're not happy, if you look in verses 7 and 8, we are, we're under God's wrath. We have sin, we, we don't measure up, and we know we can feel that, we know that. Our sins are exposed by God, and we, we can't hide from him. Because his holiness, it just exposes our imperfections. His anger is powerful, and his wrath brings us fear. So these are some reasons why people aren't happy. And Romans 1 tells us that, the world shows us that these things are true. We try to suppress it. We try to stuff it down. But ultimately, ultimately, we know that there is a God and that we don't measure up to his standard. And that leads to some uncomfortability, some, some unhappiness even. What we really are is we're, just, we're dissatisfied with our human condition. We want life. We don't want death. We want Happiness and comfort and joy, not trouble and sorrow and toil. And we want a free pass. We don't want to be sitting under the wrath of God. That's why we're not happy. So, Sophia, how are you doing over there? Are you done? Almost? All right, I'll give you a couple, couple more minutes. So first question, why aren't we happy? We saw the psalm tells us, our life is short, we're under God's wrath, 
our short life is full of troubles. So the next question is, how can we get happy? What do we do? What do we do about our condition? How can we get happy? Verse 12 marks a shift in the psalm. If you look at verse 12, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And then, in verse 13, we ask God to return, to have pity on us, to have mercy, to see us in the state that we're in, and to do something about it. So here's, here's the money line. How can we be happy? How to be happy? We are happy when we are content and satisfied in the steadfast love of God. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. You ready, Sophia? You good? You ready? Bring it on up. All right, I need another volunteer now. Any first graders in the house? First graders? Nico, come on up, man. All right. I'm going to give you two pieces of paper. Are you ready? Your job is very important. You can bring yours up. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to draw the biggest, scariest animal or dragon or monster you can think of. Okay? And I need you to draw it twice. Draw it on this one and then draw it on this one. Can you do that? You got it? All right. Here's your crayon. Same, same monster or animal on both sheets of paper. Deal? All right. Let's give Nico a, a hand. So we can be happy when we are satisfied in the steadfast love of God. That phrase, steadfast love, is one word in, in the language this psalm was written in. And this word is just... It might be my favorite word in the Bible. It is just jam-packed with so much truth and richness. It means it refers to God's faithfulness to keep his promises, to keep his covenant with his people. It encompasses his mercy, even his zeal, his goodness, his kindness. The way I like to think of this word is it's committed compassion. And this love of God is it's overwhelming. And it pursues us. Just think about this. If you are in Christ, if you're a child of God, and you wake up in the morning, there is nothing you can do or not do that day that would change the amount of love God has for you. Do you know that? That's, this, that's the kind of love this is talking about. If you are in Christ, every morning you wake up, there's nothing you can do that day that would ever change that amount of love God has for you. We cannot be happy without God because we can't be satisfied in anything else other than that love. Someone who's not full cannot be happy. Has anybody seen those Snickers commercials? You're not you when you're hungry, right? Satisfied with Snickers, right? So we ask God to, to fill us up, to satisfy us with his love every single morning. Because when we are satisfied with him, then we can be happy. Now the actual word happy is not in this psalm. 
But this is it's what it's referring to when it says rejoice and be glad. It's talking about a visible kind of joy. Those two words, the word rejoice is referring to singing or even shouting. It's, it's an expressed emotion. It's an expressed reality that we experience. And that word be glad means to, to brighten up, to cheer up, to be happy. And we can experience this every single day, even on the days when there is reason for grief, even on the days when we have anxiety and depression, even on the days that we don't feel any ounce of joy. We were uh, at the, the church we were at in North Carolina. Our worship leader would always say, some days we sing because we can't help it, because we're so happy, but other days we sing because we have to, because it's what we need. Because not all things are good. Not all things are happy. Not all things make us happy or glad or rejoice. But we've seen, as Tommy's been going through Romans 8, that God works every single thing, the good and the bad and the ugly. He makes them work together for the good of those who love him. And resting in that truth will always lead us back to joy. So back to the definition of happy. Even those secular dictionaries talk about this word contentment as part of being happy. So we should absolutely be happy people because we always have a reason to be content and be grateful. My mom has a coffee mug that says, how to get rich quick, count your blessings. I like it, very simple. We always have a reason to have joy to experience that. And we all express this in different ways. I think sometimes we, we chalk up happiness to, to like a personality type. But I, as I was researching and studying for this sermon, I heard a quote that says, happiness is not based on a personality type. It's based on a blood type, the blood of Jesus. That's good. Because our happiness is not dependent on our circumstances. At a community group on Thursday night, uh, Megan Amador Shout out Megan if she's here. Um, she said something along the lines of, we, we like to think that being happy means everything's easy. When everything's easy and comfortable, then we'll be happy. But this psalm is showing us that that's not the case. Our happiness is, is rooted in something deeper and stronger. Hey, Nico, how you doing? You done? All right, bring him on up. Let's see. Let's see what you drew. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, here we go. So we have, oh man, multiple scary beings on both sheets. You see it? He drew the same thing on both sheets. Which one looks more real, more scary, stands out more? This one, right? Here's the thing. Let's... The, the crayon marks, he drew this with the crayon. The crayon marks are just as real. They're, they're, both, they're there on both sheets. He drew the same thing. But one stands out a lot more than the other. When we take every morning and satisfy ourselves in the love of God, there's going to be scary things every single day. There's going to be difficult things. There's going to be hard things. But if we paint every day, if we paint every day purple, so to speak, 
We're going to see them in a different light. They're still real. They can still affect us. They can still cause sadness and grief. But we have it against the backdrop of something more real, something that stands out more, the steadfast love of God. So how can we stay happy? We talked about how can we get happy, how can we stay happy? It's by doing Psalm 90, 14 every single morning. Let's paint every day purple. Because when we paint every day purple, when we satisfy ourselves in the love of God, these, these trials we come against, these afflictions, these griefs, it's not the only thing on the page. There's something else. There's a backdrop. There's a perspective behind it. So we're talking about handling the hardships of this life with biblically rooted, stubborn, grit your teeth happiness. Here's what I'm not saying, all right? I, I, do, I feel like I have to clarify this. We do not, as Christians, we do not ignore hardships. We do not pretend we're okay. You know, Tommy talks about finitis. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. We all suffer from finitis. That's not what I'm saying we need to do. What we need to learn is that this kind of biblical joy and happiness can coexist with the hardships and the griefs and the weaknesses we experience and and all these difficult things in our life. And what would this look like if we did this together as a church? It's like, have any of you seen Inside Out, the cartoon movie, with like the emotions that live in the girl's head? Anybody seen that? So in that movie, if you remember sadness, so they have these like marbles that represent memories, and she has happy memories, they're yellow, angry memories are red, sad memories are blue, and at one point in the movie, sadness touches a happy memory, and then it like morphs. You guys remember that? It has both, it's happy and sad. And they discover like, oh, we've never seen that before. That's weird. But that's, that's like a mental picture of what we can experience even with the toughest, most devastating things we come across in this life. Because of the steadfast love of God, it's never going to be fully blue. It's never going to be fully sad. It's, it's going to always have that joy underneath it, that foundational strong reality of God's love, even in the worst days, the worst circumstances. This is why we rehearse the gospel so often, because we want to be satisfied in God's steadfast love. Even if you are here right now this morning and you feel dead inside, you feel like there's no possible way I could ever be a happy Christian. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've seen, what I've experienced. Just consider this. Let's say you take a cold, dead rock and you put it out in the hot sun all day. What's going to happen eventually to the rock? Is it going to stay cold? No, it'll, it'll get warm. The more we expose ourselves to this truth, to this steadfast love, to the gospel, the more and more we will feel this warmth, we will, we will have the foundational joy and happiness to move through life. Jesus himself understood that that this happiness and sadness and grief can coexist. Did you know in the Beatitudes where Jesus said, blessed are those who, blessed are those who, that word blessed is the same word for happy. So at one point Jesus says, happy are those who mourn. 
How is that part? Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See, Jesus is teaching us to look forward as well. We look back at what Jesus did. We also look forward to the day when we will be comforted fully, when our, when our future reality is nothing but joy and peace and happiness, where when we look forward to that, it shapes our present outlook in the here and now. So when we are mourning today, we can also be happy because we can look forward to the day we will be fully comforted. I think what makes some of us nervous about talking about happiness and, and showing this joy and we feel, we know, we know as Christians that our feelings are not what's most important. And that is true. God is not, his number one mission is not our feelings, not making us happy. His number one mission is spreading the, the name and glory that is due him. That's his mission. So our emotions are not in the driver's seat. When we are making a decision, when we are coming up against something, the, the number one question we should ask is not, will this make me happy? Because that gets us into trouble every time. The question we should be asking is, will this make me more or less satisfied in the steadfast love of God? Will this please him? Will this displease him? But what's crazy is that as God's name and glory are spread, when we surrender to that, when we die to ourselves and we don't put our happiness first, when we serve him, guess what happens? That is actually what makes us the most happy. It's, it's a beautiful truth because, as, again, as Tommy has showed us in Romans 8, the, the plan and will of God is con to conform us more into the image of of Jesus, into the image of his son. And that is what will make us the most joyful, the most happy. John Piper says it like this. He says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. It's a both and. When we finally lay down our lives, we crucify ourselves, then God takes that and he, he satisfies us so richly with his love that we're just overflowing that we can't help but sing. So Psalm 90, 14 is a verse. We've, me and Alexa have had this verse taped in our bathroom for probably almost a year now. It's taped right by our light switch. So every morning we flip the light on and we see it right there. Satisfy us in the morning. This morning satisfies God in your love, your steadfast love, so that we can rejoice and be glad today. This is a verse we can rehearse to ourselves every single day. And it's also looking forward to that morning, to that day when we wake up and there's no more crayons in the world. There's no, more, there's no more fears. There's no more scary monsters. There's nothing that could ever detract from the joy and happiness that we can have in Jesus. There will be no more frustrations, no more fears, no more pains, no more grief. And the only thing that we will get to experience is the steadfast unending love of God. So I want to close with reading my great-grandfather's How to Be Happy card, and then we'll pray, and I think we'll, Tommy will come back up for new members, and, and then we'll eat some chili. So, Randy Heyman, How to Be Happy. Let's see what he has to say. Keep your heart free from hate. Live simply. Expect little. Don't be overcome with worry. 
give much, sing often, pray always, love Jesus and serve him, fill your life with love, scatter sunshine, forget self, think of others, and do as you would be done by. These are the tried links in the golden chain of happiness. Let's pray. God, thank you for encouraging verses, God. That when we look out in this world and we try to satisfy ourselves, we try to, we try to chase after things that will make us happy, you teach us that the only thing that can actually satisfy us is your steadfast love. So I pray that we would rehearse this truth to ourselves every single morning, that when we come against real difficult grief and sadness and pain and trials, that we would not ignore them, but that we would lean into them knowing that you, your steadfast love never fails. Even in the darkest, worst moments of sadness, your steadfast love promises that you are right there with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you. We don't deserve this love, Lord. Help us to receive it in faith. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love that you came down and died for us. When we don't deserve it, we were sitting under your wrath, Lord. Even while we were enemies, Jesus died for us. So help us to live in this new gratitude and this new joy and this new happiness every day and not be afraid to express it because what this lost and dying world needs is more of you. So God, may we spread this happiness, may we spread the good news of your gospel. God, I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Matt. That was worth the drive before we even get to the chili, wasn't it? <laughs> well, thank you for coming today. We got a few announcements. Yeah, amen. We got a few announcements to make before we uh, get the festivities started off with chili. First of all, students, sixth grade and up, you are still meeting tonight, 6 to 8 p.m. at Emmanuel Presbyterian Church. They let us use their student ministry building, and that's on Orange Camp Road. So from 6 to 8, you can meet over there. Secondly, where's Diane at? Diane, you have prepared some God's plan for me, gospel cards. So guys, check this out. Tomorrow night is the one night of the year that a lot of people are going to come to your door, depending on where you live, if it's kind of a trick-or-treat family neighborhood. A lot of people are going to come to your door for the first time. You're not going to them. They're coming to you. So we don't have a whole lot of these, but listen, if you're living in one of those neighborhoods where a lot of people come to you and you always wish, man, I wish I could give them something, invite them to my church, give them something to think about, take some of these with you. We don't have a whole lot. Take a few. Um, we've got some Grace Life uh, Square business cards, too, you can give them. And also, we're doing an outreach in our neighborhood tomorrow night at Crystal, Crystal Cove. So if you want to be a part, it's just our community group, but we invite the whole church. I think we gave out 250 free hot dogs last year, a bunch of cards, a bunch of candy. So you can come and be a part of that over in Deland. So the students are meeting at 6 p.m. God's plan for me, cards. Um, a couple of other things. Number one, 
where are Jason and Allison and their children? You guys come up here. We, we take fifth Sundays to introduce new families to our church who have joined. They've gone through the process, reading a membership book, meeting with a pastor or leader or elder, sharing their testimony, having a chance to field any questions. And uh, I'm so thankful and encouraged for Jason and Allison and their three boys here. They are taking the next steps in following Jesus today and joining our church. We believe in a formal church membership uh, because we see that reflected in the New Testament. They kept up with their sheep. They knew, they knew which congregation that the sheep assembled in, and they knew their names, and they kept up with them. And we want to do that too. We believe very strongly in uh, shepherding here and being under the leadership of elders and being a part of the family. So uh, did you know that this is the best family of Grace Life? It's Jason and Allison Best. <laughs> Come on, guys. That was funny. Some of you were getting angry, weren't you? <laughs> so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Jason and Allison Best uh, just share their name and anything interesting about them that they want to share. I always give that opportunity to them. So here we go. Um, my name is Jason Best. Um, this is my oldest. This is Gideon. Uh, this is Samson and Nicodemus. We call him Nico for short. Uh, we're just glad to be here. My name is Allison, and I'm an introvert but willing to talk about Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for them. They are eager and excited to be a part of Grace Life. We're eager and excited, too, and we always pray over the families that join our church. And I invite you, if you don't know the best family, get to know them better. They're, they're a part of our community group, and, and they've been faithful to, uh, to gather and worship with us when God allows. So let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for Jason. Thank you for Allison. Thank you that you saved them. You rescued them from their sins. They saw your beauty. They saw your glory. They saw their own sinfulness. They turned and repented, Lord. They are following you now, and they have followed you to Grace Life Church, Lord. And thank you that you have opened a window for them to join. I pray that... Grace Life will be a stronger and better church because of them, and I pray that they would be a stronger and, uh, and better Christian because of coming here, Lord, that mutually we could build one another up, edify one another. Thank you for the family of God. Thank you that we are members. We belong to you, and we belong to one another, Lord. I pray this will be a place of grace for them, for them where they can be built up, Lord, and move deeper into communion with Jesus and to one another. And I pray your protection and your blessing over them. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Now, one other thing before Steve comes up, uh, we actually have a chili competition today, and we have a first place prize, and we have some kids that Diane has asked to, uh, to be the judges. Some of those kids are my kids, but listen, I, I have entered the chili competition, but listen, it's, it's not rigged or anything like that. It's been fair. It's, it's, it's a fair contest. I didn't even ask my kids to do the judging. One, one verse, they won't know which chili's which. Yeah, so I want to give you a verse if you have entered chili into the competition, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And listen, if you came today and you didn't know we were having lunch, please stay. We got plenty of food, plenty of chili. We got all the fixings, sour cream, cheese, crackers, anything you need, bowls, spoons, we even have chips and salsa in there and some drinks, so you guys stick around. I'm going to hand the microphone over to Steve. Steve, when you're finished, will you pray for the food, and then they can go inside.
If I could get uh, Cliff and Bill Roth, who's not paying attention right now, if I could get you guys to come up. Also, Alexa and Sarah and Tommy and Matt to come back up. They chose me to do this because I'm a person of a few words usually. Um, so that's why I called up some help here for, for that. I saw Sarah leave. I think maybe she's around here somewhere. Um, and I think Mike is out of town. Is, is that right? Mike's still out of town? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and um, we are greatly blessed by these two men that, that preach and teach and lead our church. And... Um, Grace Life, every church has their own personality, and it's reflected usually of the, of the pastors that are there, and we couldn't be more blessed to have these two men here and their wives that support them in, in a great way. <clears throat> we um, got together as a, as a church and got them a little something. Matt, this one's got an M on it, so that must be for you. And Mr. T, um, they they spend a lot of time here, so we got um, we got them something that they can do with their uh, families to show the appreciation that we have for them. And uh, I would like to have uh, Cliff pray over Matt and Alexa, and Bill play over pray over Tommy, and then I will pray over the food, and we'll be you two are the only two things standing between us and the food, so. Definitely such a blessing, and uh, just coming on as an elder, um, was blessed to go through the process of, you know, selecting someone together, so it is a blessing just to pray over these guys, so Father, we just, we just lift this couple up to you, Lord, and we pray for your protection over them, Father. Um, you have given them a daunting task, but just as he preached today, we know that he can be happy in it, he can be fully satisfied. They can be fully satisfied as a couple as they go through this difficult time, Lord, uh, that you are going to bring special blessings to them, Father. So we ask for special protection over them as well, Lord, because it is uh, not only just a, an exhausting task, but uh, the enemy have their sights on them. So, Father, we know that you are the one that's going to plant your angels around them and protect them from um, uh, the lies of the enemy, Lord. And I pray for continued creativity as Matt leads our children in the gospel. I pray, God, that you will continue to um, continue to instruct him, Father, by his own personal relationship with you as the Holy Spirit ministers to him and his wife, Lord. And um, we, always, we always pray for the pastor, but we pray for the pastor's wife, Lord, because she is carrying this burden as well, Lord. And we just thank you for all the great things that you have in store for them, Lord, and we just are excited to see what you're going to do next in their life. And we're looking forward to another year of your blessings upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we come before you with just to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor because without you, none of this would be possible, Lord. And we thank you for the life changes that you've brought here that represent all of us as your children, Lord. 
And we just thank you for Tommy and his family as they have dedicated their life, Lord, to um, preaching the gospel, Lord. To um, and It's not just, like Cliff said, just Tommy. It's Tommy and Sarah and the children. It's the family, Lord. And we just thank you for their sacrifice and their dedication to sharing the good news of the gospel. Um, but, God, we want to lift them up to you because in this position, God, there's a big bullseye on their backs. And we know that the devil wants to destroy uh, and stop what we're accomplishing, Lord. Because, um, And so we just need your protection, Lord. We need your hand to be upon Tommy and Sarah and the children, Lord, to guide them, to protect them. Keep them strong in their faith, Father. God, we know that without you, none of this is possible. We love them. We thank you for all that they're doing as our shepherd and, and, and as his family. God, help us to continue to love on them, support them in any way they need. And we just give you all the praise and glory for what you're going to continue to do, Lord, even now in Jesus' name. So as Tommy has already said, uh, the food is right through those blue doors. I'm not sure. We have any special instructions. Is Diane still? Um, anyway, I think there's two lines. There's plenty of food. There's plenty of uh, plenty of chili. And um, let me pray, and we'll go eat. Father God, we thank you again for this church, this assembly of believers that you have blessed. Lord, we we pray that you would. Uh, Bless this food, Lord. We thank you for those that have provided for it. And, um, Lord, I pray especially you bless the chili with the green tape on it. Amen. Remember, no condemnation. All right, guys, enjoy the chili. Go on in there.